In order for us to go back to our health and restoring our health and balance in our body, we really got to go back to how we used to be. Our grand-grand-grandparents didn't have the conditions that we have today. And so it's really important to kind of realize our environment and change our environment and our nutrition and redesigning to bring back nature into our lives. Welcome to A Better Life with Brandon Turner. That is me, where world-class guests share their wisdom on building a better life. Join me as we explore the habits, the actions, and the beliefs that have guided their journey with the aim of helping you apply those lessons to your own. We Ginger Hansen, what's up? Hi, Brandon. Thanks for having me here. You are awesome. I am honored to have you. We've been friends for quite some time now. You've come out to Maui. We've hung out there. We've hung out in parking lots in the middle of Tampa where you kicked a pinata into a friend's head. We've had a lot of good moments together. And I'm uh, excited to dig into your story because honestly, I am a rude person and I've never sat down and asked you your story before for as long as we've known each (laughs) other. So today I am making up for lost time and I'm going to drill you for the next hour on questions about your past. So Right now, I know you as an amazing health coach, a healer and health coach. So I know you've helped me. You've helped a lot of my friends. You're a wealth of knowledge when it comes to health. Uh, I know you have a master's in is it oriental medicine, Yes, uh, which is awesome. I want to dig into what that even means. You have an amazing husband, Ben. I love him. You're an entrepreneur yourself, and I know you eat a lot of potatoes. Uh, we can <laughs> talk about that. But I want to go back way before that. I want to rewind your story to an earlier point, maybe much earlier in your life. Start us somewhere on your journey at a much earlier time when you weren't the current famous Ginger Hansen. (laughs) Yes. So I was born in Vietnam and became a refugee at the age of six months. Mm. And so we went by boat to Hong Kong and ended up at a refugee camp for two years. We received asylum from Switzerland. And so I ended up in Switzerland for most of my childhood. I moved to the United States officially when I was 19. Do you speak Swiss? Is that language Swiss? Swiss German. I speak Swiss German German and then the high German, the proper high German. Will you say something in Swiss German? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, there we go. I like it. Okay. I did not know you. I had no idea. That's fine. I didn't even know you were in Switzerland. Yeah. That's a big part of your life. Do you want to know what I just said? Yeah, well, I should know. Yeah. Do I, do I want to know? <laughs> well, I'm very happy to be here. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I was worried about something bad. There's people at home laughing right now that know the language. They're like, she called him an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I hope not. So Switzerland and then came to America. Why America? What brought you here? So we have a lot of family here in the United States that actually ended up getting asylum from the United States. And so my parents always had the dream of moving closer to family. Mm. And so that's why we chose the United States. Did you have, did you dual language, I'm assuming, then in Switzerland? Because you have no accent. I mean, like, I would never know. I started learning English, I believe, in middle school. Okay. And so I came to the United States when I was 15 for a year abroad. And that's when I picked up the slang. And I think a lot of Europeans, because of... English being an official language, you know, we listen to American music, the marketing is in English. And so we kind of grow up listening to a lot of, you know, English and it's very, or easier for Europeans generally to learn the language. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Were you always a like health and fitness person? Were you always into that uh, kind of world? Not at all. I 
was clueless for many, many years. And what really got me to move the needle on my health because of deteriorating health was my own story of having all these different chronic conditions. So when I was 15, I moved to the United States for a year. And during that time, I went from 120 pounds to 160 something pounds. I stopped weighing myself. Mm. And so the shift there was basically eating home cooked foods and Swiss foods to eating mostly processed takeout foods. And so the family that I was living with you know, they were very, very busy. And I was eating a lot of takeout food from McDonald's and Taco Bell and Domino's Pizza. And that's how I gained the weight. And that's when my health story really started. Mm. I started having focus issues, motivation issues. I started feeling fatigued, chronically fatigued on a regular basis. But when I was 16, after the year, I moved back to Switzerland and was able to lose some of the weight. My health sort of started to restore itself again until I moved back to the United States at age 19 for good. And I started gaining weight again because of the dietary changes. And so that's when I really started getting motivated to make some dramatic changes. Why, this is a big question, but why do Americans eat just so terribly? Like, is that just, do other countries eat just as bad or are we just the worst? I think it's our environment. It's just what's normal here. I think we eat a lot of processed foods Mm -hmm. just because everybody does it. You know, if you're celebrating a birthday for your kid, you know, a birthday cake is going to look better than like, hey, here's some apples, happy birthday, yeah. right? And so we we tend to just be in that environment that will feed us more processed foods. It's convenient, it's, you know, cheaper mm. a lot of times. Yeah. And it's basically how we show our love, right? Through the foods. Hey, I got this very, very special bottle of um, juice for you. And that's how I'm going to show my love, right? And so we're just so stuck in that environment now so that we um, don't really see that that's not the way we have always lived, right? And that can get us into trouble. And that's the reason why we're consuming 30 times more sugar than we did in like 200 years ago, right? And so in order for us to go back to um, our health and restoring our health and balance in our body, we really got to go back to how we used to eat, right? Our grand-grand-grandparents didn't have the conditions that we have today. And so it's really important to kind of realize our environment and change our environment and our nutrition and redesigning to bring back nature into our lives. I wonder, and this is not a knock on freedom and capitalism and democracy, but I wonder if there's not some connection between the freedom, like America's so like, you know, we got our rights, we can do what we want, we're free, and unhealthy food. Like, it'd be interesting to look at a a scale of of different countries and their level of desire for freedom and how bad they eat. Because I think there's, I mean, there's got to be some connections. Like, don't tell me what I can't eat. I can eat McDonald's if I want to eat McDonald's every meal because it's free. I wonder if that's in our soul, extrapolates outward in a lot of unhealthy ways. Absolutely. I think it's kind of the thread in our society, right? That we get the freedom to do whatever it is that we want to do. And it's good in some ways, and it's also bad, right? Humans are the only ones that have choice. Mm -hmm. And so what kind of choices are we making? And some of those choices are just part of our culture, right? Like we grow up, everybody's going to have some fast food, you know, and we want that by choice because it's designed to make us addicted to it, right? And so I think with choice also comes responsibility. Like, 
Am I going to think long term about my health or do I want instant gratification? Yes. Right. And oftentimes we live such stressful lives that instant gratification is just what sounds the best. I'm going to go to McDonald's and order a Happy Meal or whatever meal that they offer there. And I'm going to consume it in my car. I'm going to drive through. I'm going to pick it up. I'm quickly going to eat that because it's going to alter the way I feel. Yeah. And so I think many of us don't realize what kind of an effect it has long-term until we get sick, right? And that's the story that I experienced, right? I ate those foods and then I got chronically ill. I started not being able to live my life. I was completely debilitated. Really? I would sleep for two days and I would wake up Monday and get ready for school. And it was a struggle to get out of bed because my body was so toxic. It was dealing with so much processing foods. So I think we, again, just have to really redesign our nutrition and go back to our original design. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You know, there's a, there's a passage in, I think it's in, uh, I don't know, one of the New Testament books of the Bible where uh, I think it's Paul says, everything is permissible, not everything is beneficial. And I love that phrase of like, it's kind of the, with great freedom comes great responsibility or whatever the, what's, what's the line from Star Wars? When I, I mean, uh, Spider, I am butchering a lot right now. Spider-Man, <laughs> Uncle Ben, with great power. Thank you, Alex. With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. But this idea of everything, like, it's permissible for me to go eat a Big Mac every single day. That's allowed. Yes. And a lot of people take that as, as it's therefore okay. Right. But as a big piece of freedom is saying, I'm also free not to do that. Yes. I do believe that there is no right and no wrong in the universe. Mm. Right? If a tree dies, is it right or wrong? If a human dies, is it ultimately right or wrong? There's no right or wrong. If you're choosing McDonald's, gosh, I'm kind of, you know, attacking McDonald's. I actually <laughs> yeah, used yeah. to work at McDonald's as a teenager in Switzerland. Oh, there you go. But it's not really right or wrong. It's just, you know, what we choose to do. Yeah. And is it right or wrong that our body is getting diseased? You know, there's not really right or wrong because... We get to choose. We yeah. get to choose, but we also have to live with the consequences, yeah. right? Well, I think, yeah, right or wrong only matters when you put a baseline like value system on it, right? So if you yes. said, I value living a long time, so therefore there are right and wrongs to align up with that value, right? But if we don't have a unified value, then if you haven't defined what you actually want in life, then how can you define whether or not something's good or not? Yes. And sometimes we choose our goal unconsciously. Yeah. Right? We're not aligning our actions with our goals mm. and we have no clue which trajectory we're taking, right? Yeah. 75%, almost 75% of Americans over 65 have high blood pressure or are prehypertensive according to the CDC, and most of them actually don't know about it. Mm. And so, did they consciously choose that or did they just end up there because mm -hmm. they didn't have a clear goal, right? So it's actually very important. I know that you do the goal setting retreat and actually having a compass for ourselves and for, you know, our lives to intentionally create our path, right? Yeah. Instead of just kind of going wherever life takes us. Yeah, yeah. So it's important to set those goals so that you actually know exactly where you're going. So when you started cleaning up your, I guess, health and started saying, I'm going to take control of this, you were, I'm guessing, young 20s, is that right? Like that right after college age, is that when you started fixing um, that or was it later? It was when I was 20. Okay. So you got in that 
did you immediately move toward that idea of the oriental medicine or did you find that later? How did you get to that point? Yeah. So I think at that point when I had just moved to the United States at age 19, I started gaining weight again and I found myself addicted to foods mm. and foods that are designed to be addicting, right? Like sugar. We lived right down the street from a Thai place and I would drink their Thai tea with boba mm. uh, several times a week. And I found myself not knowing how to quit. I would eat all of those very addictive foods and find myself just wanting more of that. And so I discovered a book. It was called, well, it's called The Diet Cure by Julia Ross. Mm. And so it's about treating addiction from a biochemical aspect. And so she will recommend certain protocols of supplements for the person who stress eats, for example. And so because I was stress eating or I was eating because I wanted this emotional shift, I knew that it was important for me to be able to restore my neurotransmitter levels so that I'm supporting my body in eating the foods that I wanted to eat rather than just relying on this willpower that only lasts so much, right? And so that was my first discovery that made a huge breakthrough in my eating habits. I basically stopped craving very addictive foods. I stopped eating sugar and I started going more heavy towards protein and whole foods for my daily consumption, right? And it wasn't later until I kind of still continue to struggle. I didn't completely take control of my eating and I was drinking at that point heavily sometimes um, as a college student. And also I was living a very, very stressful life. I was working and I was in school full-time. I was supporting my family with their businesses. And so I found myself just exhausted all the time. And that's when I discovered Chinese medicine. Mm. I started reading books. I started implementing some of the things that I knew. I started taking supplements. I started taking Chinese herbs. And that's when my health turned around. That's when my fatigue started turning around. And so when I went to the doctor one day for chronic fatigue, and I was at that time on prescription meds, and I basically couldn't get out of this cycle, vicious cycle of relying on the meds to just get through the day mm. and relying on caffeine and Red Bull and, and coffee. I went to the doctor that day and what he told me basically changed my life. He said, well, you have two options. You can either increase your medicine dosage or we can add another one to mm. it, right? And I went home that day and I remember just feeling so defeated because there was no way I could continue on that trajectory, right? Yeah. I just saw my life just going downhill. And so I made a decision that day that I'm going to just change my life. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't have a blueprint for how I'm going to heal my body. But something within me just told me that you can do it. There is a way. There are other people who have been able to heal themselves for all kinds of chronic conditions. And so I'm going to take that project on because there's no other way, right? And so I was kind of forced at that moment to try out anything that I could try out. Yeah. And that's why... I started reading and educating myself and um, just trying out a bunch of things that then made a huge difference to my health. What is Chinese medicine? Or you could say, you know, Oriental medicine. Is that the same thing or those different terms? And then what exactly is that? Yes. So I have a degree in Oriental medicine. Okay. And so generally it's a number of different 
modalities that are under that umbrella, right? So acupuncture, some techniques uh, for uh, tissue manipulation, like tuina, some chiropractic-like tissue manipulation techniques. There is nutrition, and there is Chinese herbs, and some other ones like cupping, for example, right? Okay, yeah. And so that's basically the umbrella of Chinese medicine. I think Chinese medicine is a lot more specific than Eastern or Oriental medicine, that it incorporates mostly herbal medicine and some physical, like acupuncture and tuina. Okay. Can we talk about acupuncture for a minute? Because I sure. I know nothing about it yeah. other than that I've had a few friends that have done it and swear by it. Uh-huh. And that's as far as I go. So acupuncture, <laughs> what? It doesn't make sense to me why, like, from the yes. little I know, I'm like, yes. I don't, I don't get it. So help me get it. Yes. So there are different styles of acupuncture. The style that generally I practice was a very, I don't want to say scientific, but it was more black and white. Okay. So. Some acupuncturists are more in the energy healing space, and so they'll heal things like emotional issues and energy flow issues and so on. For me, that is not really my forte and also not what I generally believe in and just not what I practice myself. Um, But generally, what we're doing with acupuncture when I'm sticking, I should have brought some acupuncture needles and experimented (laughs) on you actually today, but we could do acupressure. So basically, when I'm having pain on my right shoulder, for example, what I would, or somebody else, right? Um, What I would do is I would stick a needle in order for me to be able to access the nervous tissue over here to make the pain go away within seconds of needle insertion. Mm. So I would use a mirroring technique. I would basically put needles into your opposite shoulder and the brain flips it, right? When we have a stroke affecting one side of the brain, it's the other motor function, the other side of the motor functions that are affected, right? So I'm tapping into that nervous system. So by putting needles into your opposite shoulder, I can affect the way your nervous system responds to that opposite shoulder. And so you should start to feel some pain relief in the opposite, in the affected side within seconds of needle um, insertion. Wow. So okay, that actually makes a lot more sense. I've always kind of assumed it was more of a woo-woo kind of thing. Like, yes. uh, yeah, there's no, but it makes a lot more sense if you're explaining it that way. I have like a lot of, well, not a lot, but I have quite a bit of lower back issues. Like I'm tall, I slouch all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm always just kind of like sore. And then I do jujitsu and that just messes me up. So how do, like, they just poke needles in my lower back and it's supposed to make me feel better. Is that the idea? Or you go regular a lot, a lot. When you pull the needles out, does they just get bad again? Or what is that like? Yeah. So there are two aspects to back pain. There's the internal aspect and then there's the external musculoskeletal aspect, right? So with acupuncture, specifically, I'm working with the musculoskeletal aspect. I'm also working with the internal stuff by stimulating circulation, right? So if I'm putting a needle directly into your back, what I'm doing is I'm creating micro injuries into the tissue. And the micro injury is going to basically recruit your body's innate ability to heal your white blood cells, right? Oxygen. And it's going to send more healing force to that area so that the blood flow, your body can do the work. Okay. Right. And I can also treat it differently. I can also treat it through the nervous system. If I want to make your back pain go away within seconds of needle insertion, it most often works, but it doesn't work every single time. Mm. I could put needles into your large intestine channel, basically. It's basically just the blood vessel that goes through your large intestine organs, right? And so I could 
put needles into that area because from a nervous system standpoint, it corresponds to the areas of your low back. I could also use other areas such as the scalp, for example. Back here, this area will correspond to your low back, right? And so I'll put some needles in and I'll ask you, hey, Brandon, how are you feeling now? How's the back? And you'll move around a little bit and you'll give me feedback. And based on that feedback, I will put more needles in or I'll change the location a little bit. The best approach, in my honest opinion, of after doing acupuncture on thousands of patients is to use an approach that will go after your nervous system. So basically putting needles here mm -hmm. or on your hand and putting needles in locally, right? So that the tissue can heal from like both angles. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to try this, but uh, not right now, obviously. But <laughs> I, I want to also ask about cupping. Before I do, uh, I want to bring in this week's show sponsor. And for that, we actually ask the guest every week, who would you like to support? Because 100% of the, I guess, ad revenue from this show goes to a charity of the guest choosing. So what charity or nonprofit, you know, breaks your heart and makes you want to support them? It's such a cool thing that you're doing to kind of incentivize the podcaster to support more downloads. Mm. And oh, to, you know my evil uh, plan. Yes, yes. <laughs> I know your evil plan. I've listened to your other podcasts as well. <laughs> yes, right now, the organization that's on my heart is youarettheangel.org. You are the angel. Yes. Tell me about them. Yes. So... They are completely volunteer-based, and one of my close friends, Juliana, is also part of that organization, and they are providing humanitarian aid to the people that need it. Right now, 100% of their support and bandwidth is going towards Ukraine. They are providing things such as shelter, food, medical care, evacuations in Ukraine. And they have partnered with a couple of um, ground forces in the Ukraine. And literally, they're like super hands-on and they're putting all of their time and love into supporting Ukraine right now. Yeah. And the reason why it's so close to my heart also is because as a refugee, you know, I depended on the generosity of donors to have shelter and just my basic needs met. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we will, uh, we will send the money there. Let's yes. roll the ad. Hey, it's Brennan. This ad is only for like a, like 5% of the audience listening to this, but if that's you, you're going to love this. Are you interested in a hassle-free way to grow your wealth? A place where you can earn strong returns without any extra effort on your part and lower risk. Well, besides running my podcast here and the Better Life Tribe, which you know 100% of profits of that go to charity, I also manage a profitable real estate investment company called Open Door Capital. You know, our main goal at ODC is to help you achieve a better life through passive real estate investing. In other words, we wanna help you make more money so that you can live the life that you desire. Since 2018, we've acquired over $730 million in value-add real estate across the country, delivering exceptional returns to more than 1,500 passive investors just like you. And here's the best part. You can start investing in one of our opportunities right now because our team has diligently evaluated over 700 deals this year to bring you our latest offering. It's called the Texas 3-Pack. The portfolio consists of three apartment complexes totaling 637 units located in Houston and Austin, Texas. We're acquiring these properties off market at a staggering $25 million discount. And by assuming the seller's loan, we have secured a low interest rate of 3.8% for the next seven years. With that interest rate and the price discount, this investment carries less risk for investors, allowing my team to focus on creating value for you. 
Visit our website at odcfund.com slash better life to connect with my team and determine if this deal is right for you. Again, that's odcfund.com slash better life. Thanks for your attention. Look forward to potentially helping you achieve your financial goals with Open Door Capital. All right. Now with that, I said I want to talk about cupping. So there's an ad I keep seeing on my TikTok or Instagram, <laughs> and it's like this woman who's like doing some cupping thing. Oh, gosh. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me, first of all. What is it? Does it actually work? Is this a real thing? Is this a woo-woo thing? Is this a science thing? Help me understand that one. <laughs> yes. There are some really, really bad jokes and YouTube videos that I've seen on cupping. There's actually one on my channel where my brother is pretending to be Michael Kelps, and I'm doing the cupping to kind of demonstrate it, right? And so cupping works similarly to acupuncture, where you're basically supporting the local tissues. You're aggravating the local tissues. And again, what you're doing when you're aggravating local tissues is you're recruiting your body's innate healing ability. You're recruiting more circulation to that area, right? The key to healing is circulation. Circulation and your blood is what carries oxygen and all the nutrients and all the minerals and all the white healing blood cells to the local area. So it basically just promotes your body's innate healing locally. Mm, I like that phrase. The, the key to healing is circulation. Yes. I have a picture for you here. Mm, I love it. You brought material. This is great. I don't know if you guys can see it, but I'll ex- explain it for the ones that it are actually like a listening. Red, a dead red body. That's <laughs> <laughs> if you look closely, I, I think the printing wasn't super high quality, but basically... What this is, is a picture of your cardiovascular system. Wow. You have your heart, you have all the blood vessels and the blood. This is mm. actually a real cardiovascular system. Wow. And just look how extensive it is, right? It looks like all yeah. red. When most people think about the cardiovascular system, they're thinking, oh, here's the heart and some pipes and yeah. that's it, right? Yeah. But this is really how extensive it is. If you're stacking up these blood vessels, it would go around the earth more than twice. Shoot, wow. And so we depend on this cardiovascular system because everything we consume, it's going to get digested and then absorbed into our blood, right? And then hopefully into our cells. Wild. So yeah. the, the better our circulation is, the better our body is, makes the circulation better. Better circulation is, makes our body better. Yes. And that's how we heal. Yes. I don't know which comes first, yeah. the chicken or the yeah. egg. Yeah. <laughs> but generally when we are young, this cardiovascular system works pretty well, yeah. right? Over time, because of the different stresses, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, they can have an impact on our cardiovascular system. The way we live, what we eat is going to impact our cardiovascular system. Diabetics, for instance, right? They oftentimes have poor circulation. Why is that? because their blood can get sticky, because their glucose is going to increase. It can make the blood more viscous. Cholesterol can make it more viscous, and it can start impacting the way the blood flows through the body and the way the body heals. So we're at the mercy of this cardiovascular system for our body to heal. Okay. And so we want to treat it well. What would you say are the key, if you had to pick out like the top three keys to improving your circulation, I mean, I'm assuming nutrition is a big one. What are the top three biggest things that we need to focus on to live the healthiest life possible? Yeah, I'll mention a hack first that is okay. highly underrated. That hack is fasting. Mm. So what are fasting? There are obviously different methods of fasting, but I think fasting is the fastest way to affect that cardiovascular system. 
So fasting, what it does is it helps clean up the cardiovascular system, right? For a diabetic, for example, if they have thick blood, if they have more viscous blood, if they have more blood sugar, fasting is going to help them improve their insulin response. It's going to help them basically get into a catabolic state where the body is starting to break down and heal and repair. And so in order for our body to heal the cardiovascular system and ultimately our cells and our tissues and our functions, we actually want to get into a catabolic state of our digestive system, right? So instead of absorbing nutrients by eating constantly throughout the day, we want to give it a break. And with fasting, we can improve that, you know, the fastest. Yeah. And so there's a clinic in... Santa Rosa, California, and their medicine is water fast. It's called True North. It's run by a guy named Alan Goldhammer. And literally, they help people restore all kinds of chronic conditions with just fasting. So I think that is probably the top number one tip that I have. I love that. When you say fasting, though, are we talking like intermittent fasting, you skip breakfast? Or are we talking, I went four days without food? Or what do you mean by fast? Or is it all? Yeah. So all types of fasts can be beneficial. I am specifically talking about longer fasts. And generally, if you're attempting a fast, I wouldn't do it by myself without medical supervision for more than three days. Okay. And so if you have like severe cardiovascular issues, I think a three-day water fast would actually be beneficial in kind of cleaning up that cardiovascular system. How would I know if I'm having cardiovascular issues? Like, is that just something the doctor tells me or do I just feel off or wrong? So they say that cardiovascular issues, it's basically called the widow maker. Mm. And that's because most people, it's hard to tell, right? Somebody who has high blood pressure or diabetes, they might spend, you know, half of their lives, decades without actually having any signs or symptoms of their cardiovascular issue. Mm. And so it's very hard to tell if somebody has cardiovascular issues without actually getting tested, right? And so there are some indicators of cardiovascular issues, and those are conditions like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and diabetes, right? And so if somebody's eating a ton of sugar regularly, and they're having some circulatory issues like cold hands and feet can be an early indicator of mm. cardiovascular issues. Another one is basically, let me think, another indicator is having, not being able to, like somebody who's hot, okay, for example, and we'll get into the health profiles in a little bit, but generally what can happen is it clogs up the cardiovascular system and makes them stuck. And so if somebody tends to run hot, it's not a guarantee, but it's almost sure. a guarantee that their cardiovascular system is kind of stuck. Yeah. Somebody who has a lot of all-over pains, for example, probably has been um, affected in their cardiovascular function. Is that something somebody can go to their doctor and just say, hey, I'm concerned about this, I think that might be a problem? Or is that something they go to a person like you for or both? Yeah, generally, it's hard to know early on, okay. right? If somebody is in their 30s, they're not very likely to have diabetes or... Sure you know, some kind of diagnosed cardiovascular issue. And just by looking at the blood work itself, like if you're looking at your glucose number or, you know, your blood pressure, it might not have shown yet. It might not have been advanced enough in order for somebody to tell, right? And so I think Ayurvedic medicine and Chinese medicine can diagnose that much earlier on based on the symptomology. Okay. Yeah. And fasting, I want to uh, talk about one more thing on that one. Sure. 
is this something you even, even someone who's healthy, like, I mean, quote unquote healthy, like me, like I, I, I've got back issues, yeah. right? But like, I have no signs of any issues. Mm-hmm. Should I still consider fasting for a few days at a time? It terrifies me because I like food a lot, but, <laughs> uh, which maybe that's a good reason to do it, but yeah, should I be fasting? Yes. So I think almost everybody can benefit from fasting. Obviously we don't, you know, you're a pretty slim guy. And so I think the concern there would be, you know, we don't want you to lose too much weight because that's also not healthy. Right. But generally like for you to do something like intermittent fasting or just a one time fast once a year, I think that's going to benefit you. Mm. Um, I saw a video on YouTube about a guy who had back pain. He's a little bit larger, actually. I'll have to drop the link for you. Yeah. But he fasted, he did a water fast for a whole week, and his back pain improved. Oh, interesting. And that's simply by improving his cardiovascular system and the delivery of the healing nutrients, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I know, like, so I do a lot of, uh, not a lot, I do a little bit of intermittent fasting. Uh-huh. Or really, just I'm just busy and I skip food until later in the day. Yeah. But I have noticed a very clear correlation. The less I eat, the better I feel, right? The more I eat, the worse I feel. And it's almost a perfect correlation. So if I, the only thing that I feel worse is just hungry, right? But everything (laughs) else, my blood sugar levels, my mood, everything else feels better when I don't eat, which I think is funny. Yes. And I think there's, we're probably tapping into the way that our bodies have existed for eternity, which is we're not eating three square meals a day with protein bars and lattes in between, mm-hmm. uh, which is what we do today. And so I think, I think when I don't eat, and I eat maybe once a day, those days I just feel a lot better because that's how our bodies are used to functioning. Yes, yes. Well, intermittent fasting is kind of trendy these days. Yes. Like it's amongst entrepreneurs and real estate investors and people who are, you know, into personal growth, intermittent fasting has become a very big topic. So I consider that chronic conditions are due to overfeeding. Mm -hmm. And so there's six things that people can overfeed on. The three obvious ones, the SOS, salt, oils, and sugar. Mm. All the addicting foods have those added because if you add sugar and salt and butter to anything, it'll taste great, right? If you fry it, I'll eat a stick, right? One of my friends (laughs) likes to say that. The fourth thing is flour products. So basically a lot of the addicting foods also have a lot of flour, right? It increases the surface area of the grain, of the whole grain, and absorbs into your bloodstream so much faster Mm. and can increase your blood sugar and your insulin response right? The next thing is animal protein. And so animal protein, we tend to consume more of that than, you know, people in the blue zones. In the blue zones, I think the recommendation is that you consume, well, the average is the consumption of about two card deck sized pieces of protein per month, not per week. Oh, wow. Can you explain blue zones for those who don't know? That's a fascinating topic. Yes. So there are five blue zones in the world. And what they have found is that in the blue zones, they have the most centenarians, people who live over the age of 100, right? And so they studied them in depth. And what they found is they um, all exhibit certain commonalities, right? And one of them is nutrition. So that's been studied pretty in depth. So generally in the blue zones, people eat less processed foods. They eat more whole foods and they also eat less animal protein. Mm. There are other things as well, such as, you know, happiness and community and so on and stress levels. But I think in terms of nutrition, what I think and also adopt myself is the 
believe that by removing some of these overnutrition, we can actually heal our body and give our body a break from mm. constantly absorbing and being in this anabolic state where we're absorbing, right? Because if we're absorbing, bandwidth goes to absorption and less bandwidth will go to the catabolic state where we're actually breaking down, repairing and removing toxins. Mm. Yeah. And so you're right spot on with, hey, I feel better if I don't eat, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So what is your current diet, both recommendation and maybe like how you eat? What does that look like? What do you uh, suggest for people to feel at their best and to have the best life possible? Yeah. That's a great question. And it's a bit controversial, right? Mm. Because there are so many different styles of eating yeah. that works for people, yeah. right? Currently, we promote unprocessed. Okay. And so what that means is eat the food closest to nature, right? If your grandma doesn't recognize it, is it really a food, right? It's probably processed. If it's in a package, if it looks like a dinosaur, <laughs> if it looks like a fish, it's probably processed, right? It was basically, um, what they do is they take flour and they basically mix flavors into it, including salt, oils, and sugar. Yep. And they extrude it into like a certain shape that is appetizing for us humans, right? It's like it's designed to make us addicted. And so generally just staying away from the processed foods it's, is a huge, huge step. And so what's left is basically whole foods, such as intact grains, not just whole grains in a bread, but actually whole grains intact as they appear in nature, right? And so you just process them for consumption, for easier absorption, such as cooking, right? And so you want to eat the foods mostly lightly cooked, not necessarily raw, because raw is going to require more digestive prowess, right? It's going to require more energy to break those foods down into what you your body can utilize. Whole foods, grains, whole intact grains, legumes, and some animal protein and fruits. So that's generally my diet. So yeah, what's funny about that is it's if you were to ask any person, like how should a person eat? It's pretty common sense. Like whole foods, like, I mean, mo most people are, would not answer, oh, go to McDonald's, go to, you know, eat a Twinkie. Like we all know that stuff, like the obvious stuff, eat some healthy, you know, like whole foods. We can get real detailed on like how much, right? One thing that drives me nuts, and we've talked about on this show before, I'm curious your take on it. Is just you get influencers, especially the internet makes this really bad, right? Yes. But you get influencers on every side who are like, you know, you will die if you eat vegetables. And then other ones like, you know, you'll die if you eat meat. Mm -hmm. Other ones like, you'll die if you eat grains. Mm -hmm. Yeah, never eat fruit. It's the worst thing for you. And then you're like, what? What? A, I can't eat anything. Like mm -hmm. you got four people who all have scientific degrees and they all have data to back up their thing that contradict each other entirely. So what's your answer to like that kind of stuff when it's just contradictory data. So the reason why my nutrition is what it is, is because all of those legit nutrition yep. protocols, what they have in common is unprocessed. Mm -hmm, that's true. Yeah. You look at the good keto, yep. it's generally unprocessed, yep. right? You can look up Dave Asprey's protocol for yep. his bulletproof or his keto version. It's mostly unprocessed. Yeah. So he would recommend things like nuts and seeds, but he would not recommend processed meats, for example, right? If you're looking at paleo, mostly unprocessed. Yeah. If you're looking at vegan, like the good kinds of vegan yeah, diets, right? Not it's Oreo just vegans. unprocessed. And so I think what they all have in common is just 
being unprocessed. So I won't tell a person, hey, never eat meat, don't touch that stuff, it's toxic for you. But I can share with them why I don't do it at a high level. And the reason why I don't do it at a high level is because it has the ability to feed cancer cells, the IGF-1. And I'm not making this up, right? Like you can look it up. The reason why I think a lot of people respond so well when they're switching to a keto diet or a paleo diet is because what is it that they're eliminating? The processed food. The processed carbs mostly, right? And the processed foods. Yep. And so they'll feel better because there has been an improvement in their nutrition. Yeah. However, long-term is a different story. You know, cancer is unpredictable. You don't know when it's going to hit. Yeah. And so while you can prevent cardiovascular issues like high blood pressure, diabetes, with, you know, a keto diet or a paleo diet, if you're eating a lot of meat every single day still, what about cancer? It's not predictable. And so that's why I choose to eat the way I do. Yeah. I'm super interested in the, you know, like the carnivore diet people talk, uh, it's kind of a fad right now. People swear by it. They feel so good. You know, guys like, uh, what's her name? Uh, Jordan Peterson's daughter, Mick. Kayla, is that her name? Anyway, Jordan Peterson's daughter, Joe Rogan's talked a lot about it. Yes. This movement of like, eat only meat, that's it. And everyone feels so good afterwards. Now, a good piece of that may be there no more processed foods because you're just eating meat, like you just cook meat. But also I do wonder a lot about the long-term ramifications of that, like the cancer. People haven't been doing it necessarily for 50 years. So we don't know 50 years from now, 30 years from now, uh, is everyone just dying early because of some cancer? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Exactly. I love the protein hack for a reason. Protein can actually help people curb their cravings. Mm. So if you were to come to me and say, oh my gosh, I have these sugar cravings, what do I do about it? The food hack for that is to eat tons of protein. Mm. If you do that for a couple of days, or if you just eat a pound steak for lunch, after you've had days of crazy cravings, it will take down your cravings. So I do believe that there is a place for animal protein, but I also don't believe that it's the best choice for long-term. And so it's kind of a personal thing for me. You know, I generally eat more fish. And when I do eat protein, because it's such a concentrated substance, I'll generally go with the higher quality fish, right? Or the higher quality steak. So grass-fed organic for protein, uh, for um, beef, generally wilds for fish, organic pastured for poultry. Okay. Yeah. No, we've talked about a couple of fad things that are going on, right? Like the, we've talked about fasting and intermittent fasting, the, you know, maybe cupping you could call a little bit trendy right now. But one we haven't talked about yet is cold plunging. <laughs> That's super trendy right now. Everybody, super trendy. Everybody loves the idea of cold plunging. But I know that you're a cold plunge person, right? Were you doing it before it was cool? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Tell me about cold pl- I mean, I don't know. I did it once. It was better than a cold shower, but it was, uh, <laughs> it's super trendy. Is that just going to go away soon or is that here to stay? And what, what's the benefit of cold plunging? Yeah, cold plunging is definitely trendy right now. Nobody can do it without filming it and then posting it on Instagram, (laughs) right? And I think cold plunging is probably here to stay for quite some time. It is maybe more trendy now than it may be in the future. I do it because Ben... 
got a cold plunge. And I think he did it for the health benefits, right? My husband is also a health nut. And so we have a sauna and a cold plunge in the house. And um, the reason why we do it is because, first of all, it makes you feel like a ninja badass warrior (laughs) (laughs) that is so resilient and can overcome anything, right? Because I think there are some benefits of the mental resilience when you're cold plunging and overcoming something that you don't want to do, right? Because it just sounds terrible but we do it for health purposes. So I think because a lot of people in the West run hotter, warmer, because of this processed diet that we've adopted and normalized, a lot of people run a little bit warmer and they enjoy cooling their bodies down, right? A lot of the more big guys, stout guys, a lot of people who have cardiovascular issues, diabetes, and so on, especially early on, they're going to develop a heat pattern. And so they're naturally going to be, like intuitively going to be leaning towards the things that cool them down. Ice water, right? It's an American thing. Why is that an American thing? Because Americans just tend to run hotter. Interesting. And so they want to cool their bodies down. And Mm. so the cold plunge is kind of refreshing for the ones that run hot, right? For me, I tend to run a little bit cooler. And so I don't seek out like ice drinks as much and cold plunges as much. I do it because it makes me feel like a ninja badass. But other than that, I generally don't, you know, lean towards that naturally. Yeah. I also have had some people who had their cycle impacted, their period, right? Because the cold is not necessarily good for certain functions. Basically... What is going to happen to the cardiovascular system or to a piping system if you constrict it too much? You have a heart attack? No. <laughs> to move faster when you restrict it? Or? Circulation just doesn't move as good, right? Okay, if you yeah. constrict, like, sure. if you constrict the circumference or the diameter of the pipe, yep. there's less circulation. Okay. And so that can be a problem for certain people. But generally, for the general population that tends to run a little bit hotter, mm. Cooling down could be a good thing for their symptoms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. What about if somebody would come to you and say, hey, I just, I want to improve my health. Mm-hmm. I feel like garbage a lot of times. I mean, I'm tired a lot. I mean, I've been eating good. I've been eating unprocessed food for the most part. What would you advise somebody? What path do you take them down? What tests do you run? What, how do you know what to prescribe them is maybe the wrong word, but how do you know what to, how to instruct them? Yeah. So I'm in the process of writing a book. Okay. And it's on the five health profiles. Okay. The five health profiles. Five health profiles. And so in that book, I'm basically describing the health profiles. And so imagine this, the body wants to stay in homeostasis. It wants to stay balanced. And so a health profile is basically a collection of signs and symptoms that the body will exhibit that will point towards what's out of balance in the body and will pinpoint the strategies that I can then apply in order to balance the body, okay. right? If somebody is coming in to me and saying, hey, I'm fatigued. And by the way, everybody tells me they're eating good. Yeah, yeah, Relatively yeah. healthy, yeah, right? But it's that. always relative, right? And so I generally will go into more detail. I will ask them, hey, what did you have for breakfast this morning, lunch, dinner, and so on? What did you have as a snack last night? And so I'll basically can kind of get a 
pattern of their nutrition and their general lifestyle. And then I'll also ask them questions about their symptoms. Somebody who runs hot, for example, might exhibit heat symptoms. They might be redder in their face. They might have redder lips. They might not be able to sleep well. They might have insomnia, trouble falling asleep or st uh, trouble staying asleep, or they might have really, really restless sleep. And so that is a cluster of heat-related symptoms. And in order for them to have more energy, sleep better, we actually need to address the heat symptoms. Mm. So I'll basically write up a protocol for nutrition and lifestyle in order for them to kind of bend the tree the opposite way for them to be more balanced, right? And this is long-term. There is no you know, quick fix really, right? With health, you got to put the work in, you got to naturally get your body to be in balance again so that you can enjoy symptom-free health. Yeah, right? that makes all the sense. Yeah, and then the other thing that we do is we address the condition with specific herbs. So if somebody is hot, what I will do is I'll cool down their liver. I'll improve their circulation because the heat can basically stagnate the circulation, right? And so I'll um, prescribe specific herbs to cool their body down so that their insomnia or their fatigue improves. That makes sense. So yeah. it was one of those health profiles, is that someone who's hot? Is that, is that what you were saying? Yes. What are some of the other health profiles then? Yes. So there's hot, okay. there's cold, the opposite. There is damp or waterlogged. Hmm. And there is dry. And then they're stuck. Oh, stuck. Stuck? S-T-U-C-K? Yeah. Circulation stuck. Okay. Yeah. So basically their circulation is not flowing for whatever reason. So we want to restore that circulation so that the symptoms then go away. Okay. Yeah. Oftentimes it's not 100% of a certain health profile. It's like a personality test, sure, right? Sure, yeah. You're, you're not 100% extrovert or introvert most of the time. It's usually like 60-40, yep. right? Yeah. That makes sense. So the idea of the book is you're going to help people figure out what they are, I'm guessing? Yes. Okay. So helping people understand their health profile and the likely symptoms that they may be experiencing, especially if they're going, you know, developing that health profile further or aggravating the symptoms more, aggravating the underlying conditions more, and also teaching them what it is that they can implement on a daily basis for them to balance their body. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So let's shift gears a little bit. And we've talked about a lot about food. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about exercise for a little bit. Sure. What does that look like? What's your philosophy on, on fitness? Is it gym? Is it CrossFit? Is it, does it matter? Running, et cetera. So I think movement is important. It's one of the four pillars of health. The other pillars are nutrition, sleep, and stress management. Mm. And so movement is part of that. I think we're designed to move. And not just, you know, stick to our little office every single day from morning to evening. And so I believe that in general, movement is going to enhance our cardiovascular system, right? It's going to basically pump blood and nutrients and uh, minerals throughout our system and support our health in general. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. What do, you, what do you like to do? What's your So go -to? for me... I like to do Pilates okay. and I'm also a runner. And then I do a couple of different various things as the opportunity presents. But generally for me, I do Pilates a few times a week and I go for a run a few times a week. Let's talk about Pilates for a minute. I, I you know, like I said earlier, I got back issues and yes. I've been told multiple times that the number one thing I should be doing right now is Pilates. Would you agree? Is that what I should be focused on? I think 
The cool thing about Pilates is it was designed to help war veterans mm. with their back pains. Oh, interesting. Yes. And so the reason why Pilates is amazing for somebody with back pain is that it can help hold your spine up, right? Instead of having your spine support your entire weight, you can help, you can engage your muscles and recruit your muscles to also support your weight, mm. right? And so I think that's the value of Pilates. And you could also have a six pack if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, there's a thing called, I think it's called Legree. You ever heard of Legree? Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I did that once. Um, I did a little, like somebody got us a couples thing for me and Heather to do Legree. And that was actually really mm -hmm. good. It was one of the harder workouts I've ever done. Like it was like cool. intense in a, yeah. in a good way. Cause it was very, very slow. I mean, maybe it is Pilates, maybe it's a version of, or maybe they just built on it, but it was very, very slow movements. Like, you know, do a push up on this machine, but take a minute to do it. And it was just like really slow. Yes. And, uh, but the next week after that, every muscle in my body hurt. Yes. Uh, so I've been meaning to get back there. It's just, it was, it was a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Pilates can be really hard. The Legree Reformer is a well-known like reformer brand. Okay. And so I think I go to SolidCore and I'm a huge fan of SolidCore. It's not just for the physical body, but also mentally. I think mm. they've designed it to be building on your mental resilience as well. And so that combination, I just love that. But yes, the reformer machine was designed to engage your slow twitch muscles so that you're growing a lot of those stabilizer muscles and also you can gain strength without bulking. And that's why I like it. I don't want to be super bulky as a personal preference. It's not right or wrong, right? Yeah. And so I tend to agree with, you know, the Pilates types of workouts. I think for you, if you have active back pain, you probably need to be careful about Pilates. I think maybe taking a class on form, mm -hmm. just learning how to properly tuck so that you're not loading your back the wrong way would be very important and my recommendation for you. So you could go to one of those studios, Legree, I think they have that in Hawaii, yep. right? And so you can go there and say, hey, you know, I have this issue and I would like to work on my form. Can I book a private one-on-one -on -one yeah, with idea. one of the um, coaches here and just walk me through what I need to know and pay attention to during the workout so that I don't injure myself? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, other recommendations for me. What do you got? If I were to wave my hippo rights away and I, you, if I'm an open book, what would you suggest for me personally? So I'm 37. Mm -hmm. I am... Like I said, I'm generally good shape. I do jujitsu occasionally, not as much as I used to, but I'm I'm apparently doing it tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., uh, which I'm not looking forward to. With Tarl? Yeah, with Tarl. Awesome. Yeah, he's making me. He's like, we're doing 6 a.m. or 12. Which one? And I was like, well, I can't do 12. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to get up nice and early. Uh, Alex is going to come with me and do it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he's like shaking uh, his yeah, head he's over like, there. Nope. Uh, yeah, generally, I eat generally pretty healthy. Mm -hmm. I cheat way more than I should. Mm -hmm. uh, so the occasional, you know, take a bite of the kid's mac and cheese or hot dog or corn dog or whatever. Uh, but I eat a lot of, a lot of unprocessed food, mm -hmm. a lot of meat, vegetable stuff. So what, what do you got for me? I mean, any, uh, questions and or suggestions to help me on my health journey and yeah. hopefully people listening can pick up some ideas. That's why I'm yeah. doing this, not just to take free coaching right. from you. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, Heather. I think she's, um, involved in kind yes. of designing your nutrition so that you have the energy and, you know, feeling good so that you can work and be yeah. effective at work, right? Generally speaking, so you said you have back pain. Mm -hmm. Any other signs or symptoms that you're working on? Mm. Uh, 
I'm tired a lot. Like I'm definitely tired a lot. I attribute that more to I'm boredom is the wrong word, but just disinterest in whatever I'm doing. Like, but but I'm tired a lot. That's yeah. that's a big one. And I again I can feel it's connected to food, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, I feel more tired. I feel less tired when I eat less. Like I was saying that I just feel better. But yeah. Yeah, I would say being tired is a big piece of it and uh back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so on a scale from zero to ten, how much energy do you have like on a daily basis? On average. Ooh, good question. Zero to ten. I'd say energy, I'm at probably a five okay. or six. Okay. So you have enough energy, but you're kind of pushing through. Or yeah. I feel like I push through. I, I caffeinate. Yeah. I drink five cups of coffee a day, probably. Mm-hmm. I don't do the energy drink thing. And then I have the, the never ending like love handles, right? Like uh, uh, on, on the fat I would love to lose. I don't think I'm going to ever get a six pack. Maybe. Maybe that's a limiting belief, but I would also love to have that gone. I've never lost. Yes. I've never been like... I don't say perfect in shape, but in my opinion of like, that would be an in shape person. I've never been there yeah. uh, no matter what I've done. I've got, I've been way worth, I've been 40 pounds heavier than I am now or 50 pounds heavier, but that's me. Yeah. So if you are dealing with some chronic low back issues and you're dealing with fatigue. So if I had to categorize you based on one of the health profiles, I would probably say your most, or like the main one is the dry one. Okay. And so the dry one basically is characterized by some subtle heat, not like pure heat. You're not like the type that is completely hot. This is not you, mm. right? And so with dry heat, it's a more it's a more delicate health profile and so for the delicate profiles what needs to happen is actually building up. Okay. Uh, my guess is that you're not the only entrepreneur or real estate investor that's dealing with a lot of stress mm-hmm. from your better life tribe, work, <laughs> and all this amazing, all the amazing things that you're doing. You're maybe traveling a lot, maybe not sleeping as regularly as you could. Maybe because of the travel, nutrition is sometimes off a little bit. And so Work on the foundation, you know, the nutrition. Um, what kind of a d- uh, environment can you design for yourself in order for you to regularly eat the right foods that don't slow you down, mm. right? You, you know, you nailed it with a travel. Like, I'm actually really good at home. Like, I eat perfect at home. But it, if I'm traveling, it just it goes out the window so fast. Yes. So I struggle with that a lot. Yes. So I can share some tips and secrets with you of what I do when I travel, when Ben and I travel, right? So we generally will research the area that we're going to. We'll hit a grocery store on the way there, and then we'll scope out a couple of restaurants that we enjoy. Generally, if you are going to a lower end restaurant, you won't find a lot of vegetables. If you're lucky, you'll find, you know, some lettuce and maybe some tomatoes and, you know, like a shred of carrots or something like that. But if you go to a higher end place, like a steakhouse, for example, Mm -hmm. you'll find my favorite potatoes. You'll find vegetables as well. You can order from the side menu. Generally, the side menu is not as doctored up, for example. And so with a little bit of research and, you know, with kind of being aware of which restaurants serve the things that you want to eat and which restaurants to avoid. And then also when we go to hotels or go to another city, we pick 
places where we have a mini kitchen, if possible. Mm. I know when you are going to Charles and Grace's place, she is going to spoil you with healthy foods. Yeah. Um, she loves potatoes as well. And so <laughs> she's going to have a bunch of potatoes ready for you, probably. Okay. Or I'll text her and I'll let her know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically knowing what's you know around in the city knowing a couple of places that you can go to to have the healthy foods and also you know sometimes there's a stigma around ordering at the restaurant where you're with a group of people ordering yeah. you know the special item but you know with a little bit of confidence and with a little bit of modification you can absolutely do that and so i think Nutrition is, you know, the 80-20 rule, right? So I think the nutrition is basically the 20% of things that you can do to have an 80% impact on your health. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So why potatoes? You know, I, I knew that you like potatoes and you talk about potatoes. Now I've heard fitness people that, you know, health people like, oh, too much, you know, I don't know if it's carbs or what, like don't eat but the potatoes, got to avoid the mashed potatoes at dinner. What's up with potatoes? So potatoes revolutionized my nutrition and my body. So before potatoes, life before potatoes, <laughs> basically I was very heavy into animal proteins. I was um, subscribing to keto and paleo mostly with very little carbohydrates and starches and so on. I've also worked with coaches that coached me in the fitness space to eat that way. And I was happy with it. I've also taught my clients that. And then came the potatoes. And so Ben, my husband, introduced me to the Potato Hack book by Tim Steele. And I was like, how is this even possible that people are eating <laughs> just potatoes and losing a ton of weight and feeling better and getting off of their meds? And so I had to try it out for myself. And so I did a week-long potato hack and I lost five pounds in that week. <laughs> I'm like, and I had so much energy. Hmm. And so that forever changed how I eat, right? So now uh, my diet is very potato heavy. I eat as many potatoes as I want. And I don't, I feel good when I eat potatoes. It's whole foods. It's got a lot of resistant starches that basically don't register as like as high on the glucose meter. It is satisfying. The sat satiety index of potatoes is three times higher than other starches like uh, whole grains, for example. And so they're easy to travel with. They're available everywhere and um, has been part of my life for the last couple of years. I would guess you're not covering the potatoes in like sour cream and bacon and cheese and butter. Correct. Okay. Are you just literally plain yes. potatoes you put anything on it salt any i mean anything homemade sauces and okay. so i think that's the trick i think people are eating potatoes with all of the condiments and all of the ingredients that you talked about yep. and that's really what gets them in trouble yeah. but if you're just going after the plain potato you're doing a potato reset you're doing a potato hack and you're just eating potatoes any kind that you want cooked in any way except for completely dehydrated you want to have the water and the fiber in there to fill your belly up and make you feel sad Satisfied, right? Mm. And so, yeah, it's just plain potatoes mostly. I will use some sauce if I need to or if I want to. And we make a sauce that doesn't have all of the evil things in it, right? Yeah. Not a lot of the um, salt or oils or sugars, and we dip them. I personally prefer the sweeter types of potatoes more because they have some taste to them already. Is that like a sweet potato, like a, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah, sweet potato, Japanese Okinawan 
potato, they're purple and okay, sweet yep. on the inside. The texture is different as well. And so you can learn to cook them. So it's almost like a dessert. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I've so, had I've had that. It's actually yes, delicious. in Hawaii, yeah. actually, they have yeah. We a do lot them a lot of, in Hawaii. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Even Costco just sells giant bags of purple potatoes. It's great. Yes, so, very cool. Yeah, I attribute my figure to potatoes, pretty much. That's awesome. Yeah, when I was on my road trip last year with my family, went around the country, and I think you somewhere on that because we were in Tampa hanging out when you kicked the. Uh, the pinata into Nate Robbins' head. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> which I have a video of that. I'll put it on my Instagram story. But um, it's great. You had told me that hack or that idea. You said when you're as you're on this road trip, like stop at a Wendy's and they sell just a baked potato and mm-hmm. just don't get the sour cream and butter with it, or not even. I don't even know what it, it's fake butter. Like just get the baked potato. And so I did that a number of times on that trip, and it was always great. Sweet. Like that was an easy like because a lot of times like you know when we're in Austin here, there's a million healthy choices to stop and eat. When you're in California, lots of good options. Sure, you get into like you know, Alabama, (laughs) uh, Georgia, the Carolinas, Florida, the Mm -hmm. Upper East Coast, the Midwest, anywhere but pretty much California and and, uh, Austin. And like, it's hard to find good, healthy food sometimes, especially small towns. It's true. The potato was great. Very hard to find vegetables. Yeah. Very hard to find fruit, right? And generally people don't really seek that out. They Mm -hmm. seek out fancy foods when they're going out to eat. Yeah. And so it's just, yeah, harder to access those fresh whole foods when we're traveling. So it just takes a little bit of conscious thinking, but it's totally possible. Yeah, what I love about what you're saying today, and, and I can sum up a lot of, especially the travel advice, advice but in general, just intentionality around it. Yeah. We oftentimes give food the leftovers, so to speak, like to, not to use a pun, but like, you know, we treat food as a, like the last thing. So it's like we pick a hotel we like when we travel that we want to stay at, uh, not based on food, but based on where we want to stay at. And then we're just like left, oh, I'm hungry. What am I going to eat real quick? Well, I'm already hungry. My defenses are down. I guess I'll go grab that burger over at the, you right. know, the fast food place. Yes. We go after what we prefer in terms of our taste buds. Mm, yeah. So generally for me, I choose my nutrition based on the nutrition value and the nutrition density of every calorie in that food rather than, oh, what do I feel like eating? Because that, again, is kind of an instant gratification thing, not the long-term kind of thinking that we want to adopt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pull two different uh, episodes of this podcast together at the same time. We interviewed a guy named Justin Donald, who's a good friend of mine, who's in, uh, he's author of a book called Lifestyle Investor, and he's a brilliant investment mind. He knows how to buy companies and investing companies and all that. But one of the tips of advice he gave was he said, sit down and create your investment criteria when you're in a like non-emotional state. Like this is logically what I do to invest. And he's like, I have the same, he has the same thing for real estate. It's like, this is what I will buy. And we have that at Open Door Capital. We buy a deal. We know like... We almost could have AI or a robot replace our underwriter right. someday because it's very Scary. like, yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's just very like, does it have a population of over 100,000 100, people within 15 miles? Check. Does it have this? Does it have this? And it's very formulaic yeah. because we built those rules in logic when we were emotionally attached to a deal. Justin was saying the same thing about all investment criteria. So what you're basically saying to pull it all together is yours, like we should have some investment criteria that we create when we're not emotionally like starving, when we're not right. like, this is what I eat. I eat potatoes. I eat this. When I go to a restaurant, I order off the sides and I do right. this. And now all of a sudden it's not as hard. It's now, this is my rules. Yeah. What comes to mind is the quote. I don't know if somebody else said this, but I like to say it all the time. If man touched it, I don't want to eat it. If Mm. man created it, I don't want to eat it. So I want to eat 
things that Mother Nature made. So that could be on that list. Yeah. Basically, hey, did man touch it? Is it like packaged foods? If it is, then I don't really want a piece of that. Yeah. Yeah. How do you view alcohol today? Like, what's your thoughts on alcohol? Ah, oh, alcohol is, uh, you know, a topic that, um, you know, there are a lot of opinions about the health of alcohol. Some people say that alcohol makes them, you know, is actually good for health. Well, in small doses, right? Mm -hmm. For me, it doesn't resonate much anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I quit drinking alcohol regularly about two and a half, three years ago. And I do believe that it is toxic. So alcohol is uh, an opener. It's a heart opener. And so um, I had a patient once that said, hey, I have chest pain and I feel so weird telling you about this, but I take a shot of whiskey when I have heart pain and my heart pain goes away. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, that actually makes sense because it's a heart opener. It will dilate your cardiovascular system, right? And so there are some benefits to alcohol, generally speaking, in that it can basically promote circulation, but at the same time, at what cost? The mm. cost is that it's still a toxin at the end of the day. And so it will engage your liver and make somebody who's hot, for example, even hotter. It will basically put a load on your body that the body then has to process. And so I just don't you know, resonate with alcohol anymore. If I'm going to a party and everybody's drinking, I don't feel that I need to drink anymore, but that's a personal choice. Um, at the same time, I don't restrict myself of anything, including alcohol. So if I want to have a little sip of wine, I'll have a little sip of wine. Yeah. Very cool. How about you? Where are you with that? Mm. <laughs> Good question. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a big believer that alcohol is poison. I'm also a big uh, drinker of poison. And so I'm like, I like, no, I, I, I very much value. I would love to, I went off alcohol entirely for three months from December or uh, January, February, March this year, no alcohol whatsoever. And I'd like to say like, I felt so much better and I was sleeping better. No change. I don't actually didn't feel any change, which I think is a good thing. It means I wasn't drinking too much beforehand. Like there was no, I didn't, I didn't really crave it. It wasn't a big deal. I yeah. went three months with no alcohol and it was fine. The only thing I miss, I just missed the social aspect of it during that time. Mm -hmm. And I found, mm -hmm. uh, so I found some good ways. It was a good experiment. I found some good ways to enjoy social yeah. activities without it. Uh -huh. uh, like I discovered, you know, just, it's fun to try like a lot of fancy restaurants, especially are getting on the mocktail train. Sure, sure. And there's yeah. a lot more interesting ways to yeah. hang out with people. So yeah, I'm a, I'm not a big drinker, but I'm a frequent drinker. What I mean by that is like, I will have like a something almost every day. Yeah. Uh, but I look at that, I'm like, there's no way that's good for me. Like, there's no way that's good yeah. for me. And I know that, uh, but I have not gone through the pain of not doing that yet. You know, I haven't, I haven't stopped entirely. Yeah. And I think, you know, generally, if you don't have a whole lot of health issues, you might not feel the relief mm. of quitting drinking. Yep. If you're super sick, you drink a little bit of alcohol, it might make you sicker. Yep. But generally, if you are feeling good on a daily basis and you're doing all these things to make you feel even better, the, the gap is only this far, yep. right? And so it's not going to make a huge, as huge of a difference. Yeah. I think as we get older, it might resonate with you to not drink as much, yeah. right? Yes. Or if you had you know, if your back pain got worse and hopefully it doesn't, maybe I can help you intercept there. Yeah. But, you know, you would be more encouraged and motivated to drink less. Yep. And so that's definitely something that can compound over time. And, you know, for the type that I had, you know, identified you as for the health profile, the drinking can make it 
worse. Mm, yeah. 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 You know, my, I have a, a health coach that I've been using for years. It's like an app called my body tutor. Yeah. And I put in my food every day and I have some coach that looks at it and it's been really helpful because it's just accountability. Knowing someone's going to look at what I'm eating. I eat healthier because of that. Right. Yes. Uh, but one thing, the guy, the CEO of the company, Adam, what he always says, and I love this is make indulgences memorable. Like if you're going to indulge in something, make it a memorable thing. So grabbing chips on the counter just because I'm bored, I won't remember that 15 minutes later. Like if you're going to remember it two weeks from now, like that's when I want to, like if I had to pick a perfect drinking life or even just like <laughs> sweets life, like how would I eat sweets? How would I eat crap? Mm-hmm. It would be only memorable moments, right? If yes. we're having a fancy dinner on the side of a mountain hanging out and somebody's drinking, brings out a bottle of wine or a bottle of scotch, that's when I want to drink. Yes. I don't want to do it because I'm sitting in bed watching Netflix <laughs> drinking yes. a beer like that sounds that sounds a terrible life like yeah I'm trying to avoid that um, only drinking when it's memorable is what yes. my goal is I remember the one time I drank last year and it was at Burning Man one of my friends offered a really nice bottle of wine and so he's we're at Burning Man in the desert and he pulls out a really nice bottle of red wine. And he offered me some. And so I said, yes. Mm -hmm. And so that's the time I drank last year. And it was just maybe a glass or not even a glass, you know? Um, But yeah, I totally subscribe to your way of thinking about making it memorable because Mm. oftentimes we have so many events per year, right? This person's birthday, that person's birthday, this holiday, that holiday, Valentine's Day, um, Christmas, Thanksgiving. And so we have so many excuses or reasons to actually indulge and it doesn't become special anymore. Right. So I, yes, I want to make these events where I'm indulging a little bit special. Yeah. Yeah. I love that concept. Yeah. Yeah. In my life though. Yeah. And the the danger with that and what I found is that I do a lot of cool things. I travel a lot. So it's always like a memorable night. Like if, you know, like tonight I'm going to go hang out with, I have a company dinner with uh, the better life tribe, all of uh, us that work there and we're going to go to dinner. And I'm like, well, it's a great night. It's a memorable night. Let's go drink. But then like last night I went out with a buddy here in Austin while I was visiting Diego. Shout out to Diego. And like, You had, had an old fashioned because it's like, hey, we're going out. And it was like, well, the night before I went out with a bunch of people and I'm all of a sudden it's like, wait, yeah, is this memorable actually? Or is this just, is my life just going out with people and therefore that's not memorable and that's just normal life. And yeah, that's an interesting one. Let me ask you about uh, Burning Man. What the heck is Burning? I mean, I, I oh, know gosh. what it is, but <laughs> what is Burning Man to you? Like, why did you go? What did you experience? And then we'll begin to wrap things. Gosh, it's hard to put Burning Man into words. (laughs) I think Burning Man is a feeling for me. I feel home, Mm. and they often refer to Burning Man as home. My favorite place at Burning Man is the temple. And so the temple is an architecturally pleasing building made by or designed by an artist and then put together with the effort of, you know, a whole group of volunteers. And what happens there is people grieve, people bring their heart and their soul to this place. And they bring, you know, divorce papers and a suicide letter from a loved one's and ashes. Well, actually that's banned now, but they Mm. used to bring ashes to the temple and basically just release it into the universe. And so you can't help but cry and feel so much empathy for people. I'm getting teary just talking about it, right? And that's really what Burning Man is about for me. It's basically this unity of 
love and unity of the collective and expression, freedom of expression. And so everybody is on their best behavior. It just brings out your heart and your soul and you want to help everybody. You want to be friends with everybody. And yeah, it's really hard to describe. You just have to experience it, Brandon. Mm, I'd like to someday. Um, I've always had kind of the opinion for years, which is a bunch of hippies doing drugs in the desert. <laughs> like, <that's laughs> what it, from the outside looking in, it's a bunch of hippies doing drugs in the desert. So mm-hmm. you're saying it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more than that. And you have a choice yeah. whether you want to do drugs or not. Right? Yeah. But you're still <laughs> a hippie in the desert. <laughs> you can be a hippie. Yeah. You don't have to look like a hippie yes. necessarily on the outside, mm. but um, you definitely have full freedom of expression without yeah. judgment at Burning Man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of another a party or event, what's the unicorn thing <laughs> I see on your Instagram? Ice Unicorn Ranch. Yeah, Ice yes, Unicorn Ranch. Yes. What the heck is Ice Unicorn Ranch and where'd that come from? So Ice Unicorn Ranch is like Burning Man, but Austin. Okay. Since we're the center of the universe these days. <laughs> it does feel um, like that. So a few years ago, Ben asked me to throw him a birthday bash. And it's basically the only thing he wants. He wants friends. He wants loved ones from everywhere to come and just be with him. He was raised as an only child for many years. And I think he craves community and he craves the the scene of Burning Man, the feeling of Burning Man. And so... It started um, a few years ago when he basically came up with the topic of the unicorn for his one of his birthday bashes. And it was such a hit. Everybody loved it. All the girls came dressed up. And I'm like, hey, honey, as a birthday present to you, I'll let you stare at like beautiful, <laughs> you know, scantily dressed unicorn <laughs> ladies for the rest of your life. And so um, it's way more than that, but it's just kind of like a continuing joke. <laughs> it is a wild, it, it, the pictures are wild. It looks like a good time. Yeah. yeah. I've yet to make it yet, but someday. Yes. Have you received an invitation? I have received an invitation. Okay, so I just never could align it to Maui yeah. to Austin's a long trip. It's a long trip, although yeah. they do offer the direct flights. Do they have now. direct though? Through awesome. Hawaiian Airlines? Mm, that's good to know. I don't know. know. You're in Maui, so maybe not from Maui. Yeah. I think it's probably Honolulu, yeah. but close enough. Yeah. Honolulu. Yeah. Better. All right. What does it mean to have a better life? What does that mean to you? So I'm going to answer that with a health twist. Okay. And so a better life in terms of health means being able to do what you want to do, wherever you want to do it, with whomever you want to do it. And so if you want to climb a mountain, because that's the next mental challenge and physical challenge that you're taking on, you want to have that capacity to be able to do that. If you want to build an empire in real estate investing and you, you know, don't have the energy, then, you know, your health is basically a tool for all of the other wealths. And so I think that's really what it means to me to um, have the freedom to do whatever it is I want to do with whomever, whenever. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, speaking of that, then the one of the questions I ask every guest every week is this better life question. The idea is what are three things that you've done? It could be health, could be any area. It could be large, could be small. Three specific things you've done in the last 12 months that's given you a better life, that's improved your life, even a little bit. 
Yeah, so I did a 75 heart challenge oh, did you? with a group of people. Some of them are um, some real estate investing friends of ours. Um, and I think what it taught me was to not look for excuses. There's no excuse. If you're doing it, you're committing to it, you're locked in. And my brain basically was fully in it and not looking for an escape hatch, mm -hmm. right? Um, I've also been getting into running. And so I've been experimenting with the 80-20 running plan. And well, what's that? The 80-20 running plan. So the 80-20 running plan is basically a training plan for runners Matt Fitzgerald wrote a book on 80-20 running, and the principle behind it is that you're going to be running most of your miles slow, slower than you naturally would run, okay, yep. in order to protect your joints, yep. and also in order for you to be enabled to run the fast miles super fast. And so I've been experimenting with that for you know a couple of months, and it's made a huge difference, and I've also added supplements and changed my nutrition. And so the supplements and the nutrition is basically the, the the flip side of the running. And it's allowed for me to like improve my running game so much more. Mm. Yeah. I love it. Was that three? How did it wasn't counting? So basically it was the 75 heart challenge. Okay, yep. I think that improved my mental game quite yep. a bit in terms of nutrition, my belief system, um, and then the running, and then basically, what do I need to consume, Okay, yeah. right, give to my body yeah. in order for me to perform at a much higher level. Yeah. Perfect. I love it. All right. Next question. Uh, I call them pivot books. They're books that change the direction of your life. So you're going one way, you read something, and it just pivots maybe a little, maybe a lot. So do you have three books that have pivoted your life? So three pivot books. Yes. So the first pivot book for me was Julia Ross's The Diet Cure. Okay. It basically helped me biochemically get into balance so that I'm not craving. So if you're having cravings or even other addictions, you can certainly know that you can read that book and implement what she talks about and biochemically support your cravings so mm. that they no longer exist, right? The second book is the Potato Hack book. Yep. So I love the Potato Hack book. If you want to build on the Potato Hack, you can read the book by Dr. Joel Furman called Eat to Live. And so it's more of a like a broader foundation about nutrition that I myself also subscribe to. And then the last one would be the Miracle of Fasting, and that is by Dr. He's not a doctor, uh, Paul Brack. Okay. You might know the Brack Vinegar brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he has written a lot of books, and th that book is basically um, on fasting, water fasting specifically. All right, perfect. Well, I got two more questions for you. What's Ooh. next for Ginger Hansen? Where do you see yourself headed? What is next in terms of my life Anything. or in You'd... terms of my health? Either, both. Let's go life first. Life. Yeah. What's next for life? Um, so career-wise, I am working on my book. Okay. So yeah. my hope is to contribute to traditional Chinese medicine by simplifying everything and by helping people figure out their health profile and figuring out what it is that they can do, the levers that they can pull in order to balance their health. And so that's a big project. And also to speak on that topic more in the future with that book. Love it. That is mostly for my career, the direction that I'm headed in. In terms of my health, you know, I feel 
pretty good already, but I think I would like to take it up a notch and continue to challenge myself, experimenting with, um, you know, this nutrition for running. I'm hoping to take my running game to the next level. And so that's kind of the main thing that I am working on in terms of my health, maybe enhance my ab lines a little bit more. <laughs> um, it's more like fun things that I'm experimenting with. And also, you know, um, as a woman, my responsibility also is towards my husband. So keeping him, you know, in good health, making sure he has everything that he needs, supporting him in his exercise and his sleep routine and kind of, you know, being the influence in my family and my community as well. I love and so that. that generally is kind of like my purpose of existence to make an impact in the world in terms of health and um, empowering people with tools and concrete things that they can implement in their lives to improve their life. Because at the end of the day, what is all the wealth good for if you don't have that foundation? Yeah, beautifully put. All right, last question. Where do people best connect with you at, follow you, find you, all that good things? Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on the podcast. It's always a pleasure seeing you and um, uh, a great opportunity for me to talk to you about health and share that with the community as well. Um, they can find me through my website. It's empoweredbodyclub.com. Empowered Body Club. Yes, it's empowered. Empowered. The, yes. Okay. And also on my Instagram, if you want to find out a little bit more about which health profile you are, I'm creating a link with a quiz that you can take that will give you you know, the percentages of each oh, of the it. profiles and then the remedy for each of the profiles as well. Perfect. Yeah. What's your Instagram? It's empowered. Um, it's empowered, empowered by Ginger. Ginger. Perfect. Yes. You got a good Instagram. So I recommend everyone go follow you. All Thank right. You. Thank you, Ginger. You're awesome. Thank you. And that is the show. Thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of A Better Life with Brandon Turner. I hope you enjoyed the insights and the wisdom uh, brought to you today on this show. If you found value in this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, your feedback actually does help us improve the show. We look at the feedback, I look at the feedback, and we can reach more people with our message of living a better life. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow me on social, Beardy Brandon. And hey, before I go, this show is all about the habits, actions, and beliefs that can give you a better life. But in case you're interested and you want to know my opinion on what it takes to live the best life ever, and that includes some of my kind of weird spiritual beliefs maybe, check out abetterlife.com slash bestlife. abetterlife.com slash bestlife. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you next time on A Better Life with Brandon Turner.